Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. I'm coming to you from the North Shore of Oahu, where weekly I interview some of the world's most inspiring people from business, philanthropy, and entertainment. I love collecting humans, and these are some of my favorites I've found along the way. This podcast is brought to us by Capita Financial Network. Do you need help with the next steps of your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, state attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call or schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Hi, welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show, brought to you by Capita Financial Network. Today, I'll be co-hosting with my dear friend, Jess Larson. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks so much, Jess. It's so awesome to co-host today's guest with you. So Brandon Lowry and I were introduced recently by a mutual friend, Colby Bauer, who's over at Thread Wallets. Um, as he started his foundation, Carry On and we started conceptualizing this idea of putting together a television show that would actually like help both uh, the surf, skate, and snow industry and help young people with their mental health and leadership and self-esteem and things like that. So right away, he goes, the first person he thought of was Brandon. So I meet Brandon and I just get on this Zoom and I'm blown away. And today I made a joke. Uh, I think it was yesterday we were on a, uh, a call around our, you know, as we're producing the show together. It's literally like Mary Poppins' bag. Like you, it just never stops with just, you know, like Christmas tree sized that just keep coming out and he's just brilliant but what's really fun about brandon is you know he's had an incredible career in so i'm really excited for brandon to introduce himself so brandon can you share us your kind of your story let's get our audience a sense of who brandon lowry is it's so fun thanks Lindsay. um that's funny it's always interesting to hear the feedback right that's kind of why we do it um but yeah i'm brandon lowry i'm originally from north carolina um i played Grew up playing a lot of sports, so I played really high level competitive soccer and tennis. Played with the national team. Um, when I was a kid, I got put overseas, so I played over in France and England. Came back, played Division One soccer. Um, played tennis as well. I grew up skating and snowboarding. Uh, Searched in the summers. Wanted to be a pro board sport athlete, but I didn't make it at that. All my best buddies did, and I ended up playing again that professional level soccer. And hitting tennis balls, but I always skated and surfed. Then I had the chance um, in college. I was on campus all the time playing sports. So um, I've always liked to build things and sell things and do business, whether I'm selling blank CDs or lollipops or whatever it was. So I ended up studying business economics and accounting and finance at university in South Carolina. And then I moved to Australia. I got to go over there and surf and skate and play soccer and hit tennis balls. And um, I went through a law school program. Um, I ended up doing an audio engineering and a film degree. Uh, but I did a lot of that just to keep a visa. <laughs> because so when I was in Australia playing sports at the skate park, um, I ended up snapping my leg in half. And so I was I had this, this like half paralysis thing called foot drop, uh, kind of like an identity crisis. Kind of had to reimagine my value, you know, because I was a high-level professional athlete, and all of a sudden I'm in a wheelchair. So that was a bit of a gravity-shaking situation. So I had to, like, again, get creative and figure out who I was and how I added value to my community, my culture, and I'm passionate about the board sports industry. 
And um, not saying that degrees make success. It's not what this is about. But I had the good fortune of having a very discipline-driven parent, my mom and my dad both. And they really enforced me to be a student athlete, right? So um, I got, you know, the education traditionally from, you know, economics and finance and capital markets. And that put me to a position to do a lot of business deals and work as a business partner and work in the industry that I love and solve the problem of assembling capital and putting together strategic plans and work on that whole partnerships, mergers, acquisition space in the action sports industry. Um, and one project led to the next project, led to the next project. Ended up designing and building a surf technology company. Did a lot of media projects. Um, I lived in a I lived in a Shelley for probably close to fifteen years. Yeah, fourteen, fifteen years. My first kid was born in Shelley, and uh, I'm currently living in San Diego, California. After traveling around the world, building skate parks, designing surf pools, doing different private equity initiatives, buying companies, crashing companies, selling companies. Um, just got the privilege of learning a lot. And I've recently been serving as the CEO of USA Surfing with the Olympic program. And then um, <clears throat> spent time now as the chairman of USA Skateboarding for the Olympic program, which is interesting, developing those athletes who are pursuing the podium at the Olympic Games and all the other podiums in action sports, X Games, Dew Tour, you know, WSL championships for surf, um, just you know, Street League Skateboarding, Vance Park Series, all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a really unique position that I've found myself in, not necessarily by design, but subconsciously, I suppose. But I'm all about building um, infrastructure and the value proposition for action sports and lifestyle sports culture. Uh, I'm an athlete by design. Um, I love doing business. My mission is to be a very effective anonymous stoner. Um, I'm, 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 I'm my ego tied to my nonprofit, which is called the Global Action Sports Foundation. And with my part of the mission to get, you know, drop as much wealth through that platform without anybody knowing about it and being able to support the culture, the industry, build infrastructure and put on programs anonymously. So um, we're very, you know, intentional with our time and our efforts. And whether it's high performance, whether it's agriculture, whether it's youth development, whether it's infrastructure, um, that's kind of whole lot kind of that's, that's exactly what i'm here to do so it's a, it's a unique time for me and uh, i'm glad to be in good grace to the people like you guys so thanks for having me hope that helps and i didn't know that story about you breaking your leg oh i'm so this is terrible to say i'm glad this happened to you because now i get to enjoy all of these incredible the side of you that isn't of the professional athlete that's using that background in business to help enable big projects that you're I love how you said that your ego is tied to your nonprofit. Can you share more about what you're doing there and the vision that you have for the impact that you're trying to create? I mean, that's so cool that that's where your heart is. Just Sports Foundation. It's, again, by design, an international platform. Um, we focus on supporting deserving athletes, uh, not just disenfranchised or you know, rough neighborhoods, but truly deserving athletes. Um, we definitely want to support the athletes who have dreams of being an aspirational character, but at the same time, supporting those who are doing really, really well and giving them opportunities to shine even brighter inspires another generation. So, you know, the word deserving is um, scripted on purpose, and we use that word deserving athletes, and they come in different shapes and sizes and fashion fortunes and, you know, different parts of the world. So, um, and then the layer below that, as I mentioned, is infrastructure. We do, you know, assemble capital and put 
resources to work to build facilities and high performance training camps and put on summits, uh, build micro farms and agricultural initiatives to make sure our athletes are, you know, eating healthy food, whole foods, clean foods. Um, we put on a lot of um, development programs for personal development, self-development. And then there's a whole category of life after sport. Not everybody stayed an athlete forever. Some athletes aspiring don't make it. Some athletes get hurt, get wounded, get cut. So that whole life after sport curriculum is important to our organization because we want to see what our you know culture becomes while they're athletic and then beyond. Um, how they raise families, how they show up in the community. Um, you know, how they develop wealth, how they invested throughout the culture. So, um, we're really, again, intentional about our choices and who we work with and how we support them. And we really believe in culture over like contests. We have competitive athletes, but it's all about the culture. It's about the lifestyle. It's about the culture. It's about the culture. It's about the culture. And we think that this culture, particularly action sports, nurtures some interesting characters. And so we're trying to do all we can to develop this culture, nurture this culture. And even though my ego is tied to the organization, our ego is not tied to being seen. So that anonymous donation, that anonymous contribution, that infrastructure that's got an alias on it is kind of how we play the game. Uh, because it's not about the credit, it's about the impact. And that's what we do through the Goal Actors Sports Foundation. Oh, that's so awesome. I know Jess, who's a big surfer, skater, snowboarder, is dying to ask you some questions. Jeff, like so fun to, to have something that's where your heart is, where your ego is tied in. You know, you love this stuff. So it's so fun. Yeah. Um, well, I just identify with the, a number of things that you brought up. You know, I I, uh, I remember meeting, reading Transworld <laughs> as a 13-year-old. And, uh, you know, all of us, all of us were completely set on being pro snowboarders. Uh, you know, Western Canada, we, we buildings, you know, building mini ramps, trying to see if we can get an indoor one to, to make it through the winter, stuff like this, dreaming of one day being rich enough to go on a surf trip, right? But, um, but I remember reading this thing of like, hey, you can either, you can either become a pro, which is awesome, but you are, you're also going to have to ride a lot of icy pipes when you don't feel like it, or you can like make enough money to then live, to, to ride the kind of places that pros ride when you want to ride there. And, and I ended up kind of going more that direction, but like secretly always wondering, like, could I still try for it at some point? Um, but I, I want to talk about this identity thing because um, about uh, nine years ago, I was involved in an accident and also got drop foot in my right foot. And I was in bed for two months straight um, before even being able to get, like, basically get out of bed at all. and. Um, you know, I have four kids, like my entire hopes of what my being a dad was going to be were all questioned, like my identity, you know, like I've been a private equity CEO, I've done a whole bunch of things, but like at my heart, I'm like a snowboarder. Like that's, you know, like I'm a snowboarder, sk skater, surfer, like that's like how, like, that's like how I identify. Like I went to art school, like I'm an artist too, but like even deeper than artists, like I'm a snowboarder. Like that's how I think of myself. Right. And it was like this, like, now what? Like, it was probably like one of the most oh. depressed times I've been in my life of like, well, who am I now? And what about like all my dreams of being a dad? And, you know, uh, so I'm fascinated with, with how you work through that experience. And, and yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you had the same experience, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was proper ground, gravity shaking for me. I had an identity crisis. I went through 
the depression stuff. But um, I'd say first and foremost, I had good people around me. I'm privileged to have good people around me, period. You know, I've always somehow had these guardian angels either like directly in my, like in my orbit or like on the outside watching me or helping me or kind of shape shift in my environments. So I've always had good people around me, um, whether they're talking to me directly or sending me a message or sending me a song or writing me a letter, like always have this, I had this, I had this a mindset thing. So, um, I'm highly and hyper aware of that, that I'm a deep believer in mindset over everything else. Like when you change, everything changes for you. That whole like Jim Rohn philosophy, like when you change, everything changes for you. So I was lucky to stay in a positive mental attitude. And even though it was often uncomfortable, tricky or hard or kind of confusing, it was always, how do I solve this? How do I get through this? How do I shape shift my reality and find the positive? Not always stay positive because some shit's dark in life, but notwithstanding, life happens for you, not to you. That's kind of the mindset. It's like, there's no victim. There's no space for that. There's no oxygen for like victim mentality. There's no perpetrator mentality. There's no victim mentality. So I believe that I was programmed to think that way. And I continue to find myself around people who think that way also. So it becomes hardwired in my system. And when I reflect, because I try to stay away from that story because I don't want that story to define who I am. I recognize it and I appreciate it, but it's not who I am. You know, I still have artifacts from that injury naturally, but I don't let that stop me from what I'm trying to become and who I'm becoming, you know, but I think it was, when I reflect, it was completely, I got through it because of the people around me, the minds that I had, the fact that I'll do switch kick flips again, period, you know, like I will, I can't walk right now. They might amputate it and may, my leg may, may never come back again, but I had the same crisis. Like, Am I going to be able to roll with my kid? Am I going to be able to skate again? Am I going to surf again? Am I going to snowboard again? I'd love to be able to switch dance. Like I, like I've really leaned into getting this thing fixed, because um, that's who I am at the soul. So I just use it as fuel to get better and to change the way I look at things and my perception on my obstacles. And if I can get through this, I can get through anything. And then the next hurdle comes up. Like oh, this pretty tricky. If I can get through this, I can get through that. And I reflect on when I got through then, I get me through this next situation. So. Um, Crystal, who Lindsay knows, will tell you that I'm always like putting myself in these riddles and these puzzles to solve, but I think it builds my awareness. I think it builds my, and I say my, like as a, you know, like the, like the universal you, I think these situations make us more conscious. If we can overcome them, we become more valuable. You know, we think a little more laterally, we deepen our faith. Um, at an existential level and a spiritual level at a personal level at an esoteric level. So I don't, I'm not trying to attract problems in drama It's definitely not drama. I'm not trying to attract issues, but I appreciate them because I become better as I go through them, you know, and I take all of it that way. It's just the mindset and perspective. So I don't even look at my injury as like the worst day of my life. It was then cause I was in it. I was in it. I was like, this thing. And I don't know what's going on. And, you know, you have this sense of identity crisis, but I just kind of take, take it day to day now. Like they're all opportunities to get better and to increase my stock price, you know, and to make me look at things a little differently and sign harmony and wherever I am and yeah, make different decisions and become a little more clever and a little wiser and a little more grateful and just like trying to improve 1% every day. If I can live through 1% every day, like, it's game changing, you know? So that's what I took from that injury. I think that's how I got through it, just perspective. 
I love that answer. You know, I, I, my foot hadn't made any progress for years. And just in the last handful of years, it's coming back in these tiny bits. Like, I, I can't lift it like with a shoe on or anything, but I can get it like almost an inch. Like if I don't have, like if it's just the foot. Um, but um, just adapt, like, you know, like I skate mini with like, with a lace-up brace and a hard brace and a drop foot brace. You know, I'm, I feel like the bionic man. And like, you talk about the people around, you know, Lindsay, Lindsay and I's friend, Johnny Butler, who's raising a bunch of competitive surfers in uh, San Clemente. His kids are super good, actually. Um, he's like such a positive guy, but like, he's the one who really pushed me like, no, just put your drop foot brace in a lace-up. And like, it, you, because you, I had not been able to shortboard because I could not, I could not get around the board. And he like taught me, he's like, no, just drag. Like you're, you're thinking about this wrong. Pull it from the back, pull it straight over the pad and, and come up come up the stringer and it was like uh it sounds dumb but like it was like an emotional moment for me like maybe i will be a shortboarder again because of this and then Lindsay, you know had our family over for 10 days at their place in hawaii and that was the first time that i really was like able to shortboard again and it was a big day two things first and foremost i think some of the most fascinating soldiers in our orbit are the adaptive athletes that whole collective there i mean it's a whole nother level period it's, it's a it's not even a you can't even compare it to like getting these high performance athletes, these able bodied athletes, and we're proud to win a gold medal, a champion, and skate and surf every day and all this type of jazz. But, and then I have kids, I'm so grateful that my kids are healthy. They're not always, they're not always stoked because they chuck wallabies and cry and they, they're, they're kids, but like they're healthy. You know what I mean? They're healthy. They're healthy. They're healthy. Some kids, people don't have healthy children by that definition. They have different issues or ailments or injuries or, situation so i'm so grateful that i have like healthy kids and then this adaptive community they're relentless they're resilient talking about getting rid of like victim consciousness there's absolutely no space in that community that even complain about anything at all and it's so inspiring it's not their like polarize you know communities but when you get the privilege of spending time in that and with our usa skate team a critical player the guy named daniel gell who is the founder and president of Adaptive Action Sports, and his wife is Amy Purdy. You know, if you look them up, they are they are they're the leadership. How they think, what they do, how they behave, what they've accomplished. This adaptive community, they're under celebrated, they're undervalued, they're under they're just underappreciated. And I got a lot of respect. I mean, I I snapped my leg and had an injury and I had foot drop and I'm whining about it. You know what I mean? But this this is a whole different mindset to be i mean they're the elite of the elite in my opinion to be able to go through that and still retain the confidence and the courage and the you know conviction of stay passionate and focus like that's another level like kobe's and jordan's are great they are you know neymar and all these pro athletes but they're like this adaptive community different level totally different level i having known you and being able to work with you pretty intimately in these projects and several different projects we're doing all kinds of cool stuff together you know i noticed that you have such a level of self-awareness like there's such a um reflective like even the way you know hey hey this is my wiring i'm gonna say things you know i'm gonna pu pull coals this is what i do and i'm and you're so gracious and generous to the people on the other side of receiving you so i can just tell how other centric you are are you constantly thinking outside yourself and I'm curious, like, to make you as aware of these athletes and their plight, to have the empathy that you have, where do you think you gained some of this tremendous character? Is it from the hard things you've been through? Is it something that you um, kind of innately just like 
feel like, man, the proof is in the pudding when I choose to be principles guide me. These are the outcomes. Like, where do you think, where would you attribute someone? Because I, you are really, truly an out. You, there's people who are have high capacity that end up in the levels of leadership that you've been in. I appreciate that uh, wholeheartedly. I do. That's, that's humbling. Um, thanks for sharing that because you didn't have to, you know. Um, okay. It kind of chokes me up. I, I truly believe I'm a, I'm a reflection of those around me. You know, I do. I overextend myself to surround myself with people who have different points of views and prerogatives. I do everything I can to make sure I'm in rooms with people who are smarter, different, better, worse off, all the things than I am. So I can kind of reflect against it all. You know, like I set obnoxiously audacious goals not to achieve them but see who i become going through the process to get there it's not about getting a dollar or about winning a championship or about getting there first just like who i had to become to get it who i had to become to do it who i had to become to accomplish it and then when i set these because i'm always moving the goalposts you know that about me like always moving things around but if i and it's limited to my imagination. So I do a lot of like paying attention to looking around, not materialistically trying to go like just, just to get more, but I set some pretty silly goals for myself because I can become more, I could have more than I have if I become more than I am, you know? And again, it's not all materialistic. It's not like I want more money or more this or more that sometimes I feel more accomplished with less, but notwithstanding, I set these targets and strives to hit my target because this is so far out of my comfort zone and I don't know anything about the space and my imagination took me here somehow or I got saw something that I got inspired by it or I heard something that made me curious. So let me like lean into this thing a little bit and you have to become more than you currently are to get there, period. Cause I just think you're a reflection of your consciousness. And so I'm limited to my ability on how I think. Like I have these belief systems. Sometimes I break through them. Sometimes they keep me limited and grounded. But I like to, I try to stay inspired. That's, that's, that's number one. Like I stay inspired. And I got discipline. So I put discipline as one of the critical pillars of my personality type over everything else. I know, I believe some people do, a lot of people do, like, think, this is tricky, happiness is the mission, and, like, do it because you feel good, do it because it feels great, do it because it makes you happy. I was a high-level competitive athlete, and, like, you don't always want to go to practice, you don't always want to run sprints, you don't always want to do your push-ups, you don't always want to take a cold ice bath, so, like, you don't always want to read and do your homework, you don't always want to get up at 4.30 in the morning or go run and put the work in, but that's discipline, you can't, you don't do that because you're happy right? Like discipline inspires that. So I'm much more attracted to discipline over motivated. I'm not looking to work with people who are just motivated because you're not always motivated. I'm very attracted to people who are disciplined because that's a different character trait to remain disciplined, to go pursue your dreams, to get to what you want. You don't get that just because you feel good tonight or it feels right right now. Like you got to have these different you know, pillars in your system to 
excel and to hit your target, whether you want to be a chef or an author, play sports or, you know, build a garden. Like, you just got to have these different, you know, attributes about yourself. So I'm always looking for people. I don't care what they're good at. If they're, um, if they, if they throw darts or they build skyscrapers, you know, or they swim laps, like people who are really, really good at it. And you know what people are really, really good at something. When you watch talent and then you watch like another level of it, there's a lot of people who are really talented. But there's some people who are just great. And I just want to find those people because they're a reflection of a mindset. They just are. And I think that's fascinating for me. And I unequivocally believe that's what allows me to do what I do. I surround myself with people who are striving to be the best version of themselves at whatever it is. And those characters have a different mindset than others. I'm not saying it's better or it's worse or it's bad or it's good. I want that. And I'm aspiring to be the best person that I can. I don't compare myself against anybody else. I just want to be one to three percent better every single day. And I need to surround myself with people who think that way. And by doing so, by default, I'll level up. So I'm chasing the next level, not a material thing. It's always like, and there's always a next level. There's always a next level. So I'm just always trying to figure out how to get to the next level. Awesome, Brandon. I love how you said I stay inspired. And having watched, you know, we'll get on calls. It's like our favorite thing in our work group is that like we'll get on calls and these dads will have their kids hanging off of them or their soccer practice or Brandon's picking up his kids from this cool run. And he's like, sorry, guys, and background noise. We're like, all of the women love it. Like we just like absolutely can't get enough of these dads working around their children because we've been doing it for all of our careers. And all of us are like, it just feel we feel so seen and understood and safe to be wearing the hats that we wear. I do things that inspire me. I put myself in situations and environments and do projects that inspire me. And I see that about you. That's so clear and evident in your life. What do you, what do you think, um, what do you do to inspire your kid? I know your kids are a massive inspiration for you. The way you and Crystal talk about your children is just the most endearing thing ever. And um, to know that they're such an important part of your why, how do you like, help your kids be inspired or is it a conscious thing or are you just being inspired yourself and letting it through osmosis kind of well one thing i believe in is environment so i always i'm i'm constantly aware of the environment the good times the bad times the environment the mood the energy you know and i kind of i do a lot of i'm not like a helicopter parent i'm more like an observant and I'll, i like teaching moments i don't like to preach Crystal and I have conversations on purpose because, you know, these little people respectfully are impressionable, you know, they're little programs and they're downloading, they're synthesizing, they're interpreting, they listen with their eyes, they feel the energy and things. That's really important. Um, we got three different layers of kids. One's four, one's six, one's 12. So they're all at different life cycles and learning capacities. And we're super aware of that. The language we use, we're super conscious about the language we use around all the kids. I'm saying these words because these are the words we don't say. We don't say can't. We don't say can't. We don't do can't. We figure out how to, not we can't. Um, we don't do things for our kids that they can do themselves. If they can't do it, literally can't do it, we'll assist them. But like, 
at Banner, my little four-year-old wants her stuffed animal upstairs. Dad, go get it. No, you can. Like, you go get it. You might not want to, but this is a choice. If you want to go get it, and you can go get it, so you choose to. We teach them about time because they need to be aware of time and space. Um, they're in school, so school teaches school stuff, but then I think there's like another uncommon core at a literacy level that's not taught in traditional schools, and some of them are, you know, one of them is a monastery school, but we try to think like, we try to talk about life skills, try to teach them the value of time, try to teach them the value of choice. Um, our kids will tell you they're sick of hearing it. It's like, hey, when you change, everything changes for you. If you change, everything will change for you. So when you behave this way, this is your experience. If you behave this way, this is your experience. If you did this last night, you would be rushing right now. This is how time works, you know? And we're teaching the little ones, like you got, you know, Five minute warning. It might be twenty minutes, but four minute warning. You know, so they understand that time counts down and time counts up. So I think for us, um, macro speaking, macro level speaking, it really is about awareness, our choices, um, our decision making, um, our energy, our having a positive mental attitude. It's super philosophical right now because we can't get too granular because everything's situational based. But what they can do that's consistent is have a positive mental attitude, have a growth mindset, think about their choices, understand they have the privilege of choice, understand time, and time can be warped, it can be limited, it can expand. So that's kind of where we are with our kids right now. Um, it's interesting, you know, it's a blended family too. So I had two come in this relationship and Crystal's got one, so that's a different experience that we all value because it, holds us accountable to be conscious to each other, you know? So there's a lot going on. And I think that's what makes us so excited to wake up every morning. It's obvious, Brennan, that you're really intentional. Um, I think about how many of my friends that uh, didn't become professional board sports athletes wanted to be involved in the industry anyways. And a number of them have tried to do business in the industry, but it was Maybe it wasn't as well thought out, you know, it was more like, it's almost like the glam and glitz of like, uh, I get to own part of a snowboard company or I get to, you know, some of these things. And um, maybe they weren't as, the deals aren't always as sound business-wise or financially. Um, when you think about whether it's action sports related real estate or, or other deals, what are some of your principles to make sure that it makes business sense and culture sense as you approach it? I know that word due diligence is kind of gets thrown out there. You know I mean? It's just more like a, an expression, but there's layers to it. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a deep believer in founder project set, the right people for the right project. Always be mindful of that. You know, it's the right person for this particular project and this particular position, um, at a, at a, at a level, at a layer to the side. First and foremost for me is the business model. Like the model of it, not the business plan, but the business model. Like, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Does it matter? Does it work? Like, like fundamentally, like what are the fundamentals of it? <laughs> like, like what are we talking about? Kind of like might sound cynical, but like, what are we talking about? You know, like, have we actually thought about this? If we haven't, let's talk about it. Cause this is where the magic cap is in these conversations. So I asked a lot of questions that by design, depending on the audience and who I'm with, kind of. They're all predicated on the business model, Fun, frank, frankly. 
And, you know, I think, I don't know, I don't know if everybody knows what like the business model is. I don't know if that's the right expression for the conversation. I'm not saying people don't, but there's a great fundamental tool called the business model canvas. You haven't seen it. It's so third grade, but it's so effective just out of base levels. Like, all right, like, what are we doing? And how does it work? And you can get granular and you can get the weeds and then the cabbage patch, but like at the highest level, like always kind of reflect like, what are we doing this for? But even higher for me personally, I have a North Star. I know what I'm like, like self-centered, not self-interested, not selfishly, but like, I know what I'm, I know my mission and I'm not jumping into the damn line of my mission. I'm really good at rationalizing my choices and that's a slippery slope, right? Cause you can, cause I don't know if that was a really good decision, but I can rationalize why I did it, but I'm, 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 I'm unequivocally clear on my mission here. And if it doesn't line it out, I'm not interested. I might be able to make a recommendation to help you and I'm gonna get my time back, but I'm not gonna invest my time and resources recklessly and again, being self-centered if it doesn't align to my interests. So first and foremost for me to be, to play the game fairly with others, I'm always trying to find a line. Even before I understand the model or the plan or the people, I wanna make sure I'm aligned at the highest level first, because if we're out of alignment to start with, it's gonna be a lot harder to get into alignment and it might be, you know, inauthentic. So I want to remain authentically me and I'm a character and I have a couple of different masks and Lindsay's seen a couple of them herself, but what I am is authentic and I'm very, to your word, I appreciate you saying that intentional. And step one is how do I get aligned with this conversation, with these people, or this group or this initiative? And if I can't understand my angle, not like a manipulative angle, but if I can't understand how I can be aligned with this and how I'm not, and how it serves my mission, my family, my responsibilities, my fiduciary duties. I'm not interested because I'll either distract or I'll get distracted. And I don't want to do that to any project because I understand how precious time and resources are. And I believe in abundance, but not with state and we still have energy. And there's a limited, but still it's how you put it and what you, what you do with it. You know what I mean? So I'm, 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 I'm first and foremost, when I look at stuff is, is this all aligned? And Lindsay will tell you, I'm quick to try to figure out the structure to make sure everybody is aligned, period. Because there's not a lot, it gets weird, it gets, weird. It gets bobbly, it gets, it gets tricky. And I don't like that because I don't want time for it. Yeah. Can, can you give us a couple examples? Can you talk about Waypool or other maybe real estate deals you've done, like your later ones? Well, let's go to the film project. I'm working on the film project with Lindsay and um, it's all about celebrating the characters of our culture who have transformed the perception of it. And what I mean by that is we got a group of what used to be called hooligans and now they're heroes, you know? And not everybody knows that story and not everybody understands where these hooligans came from to be heroes and they don't understand like what they had to go through to become who they are. They all went through something to get to where they are. They weren't born that way, right? Everything fell into place for them, but they also had to put the work in to get to it. And that's a very interesting conversation for me personally and what I want to spend my time celebrating. So I'm aligned at the mission of the cause and it's about celebrating those who are frankly misunderstood, right? Giving some attention and some option to an industry that was misunderstood and all of a sudden now it's pop culture and it's the coolest thing ever. So much so that it's the focal point that she pillars for the Olympic sports. Like that's crazy, but it's not though. Because when you look at the pedigree of the characters that came through to get it here, it's something to talk about. And I think, no, I believe, because I don't think about things, I think about things and I believe it all. I believe this platform that Lindsay started with Colby is 100% 
going to change the perspective of a whole generation. And like, I'll align to that. Yeah, I, I got to go to the uh, kickoff event for Carry On. Um, Lindsay and I's friends, uh, Jenna and Danielle, invited me and I was super impressed. Um, Lindsay, what, what does this make you think about all, all these uh, discussions? We definitely did that with this project, Hooligans to Heroes. So like between, you know, Colby's background and sort of paid stuff, branding, and he's a great storyteller and marketer. He really understands how to like communicate visually and through story and through relationship you know what we're about to have him come in and use the olympic alignment and then we're bringing in you know talent and from i mean the biggest names in the industry are partnering with us and so we're just like it's really fun to be a part of something where you're like oh this feels good everybody everybody is here is aligned with what we're doing we have a good idea we have the team that connects it bit and i found that like and when you have the right idea with the right people, you kind of it'll go where it needs to go. People hold it more loosely and the truth kind of sets the tone of where the next ideation goes or the next thing because everybody's got the right alignment. So then it goes wherever the least resistance is and it's really powerful to see. So Brandon, your um, background in film and production is also amazing. Now he's been getting us on phone calls, locking in these people and we're just like, you know, mind blown. Um, but then he, I find out that he's got all this incredible agency from film world. I mean, he really has such a, you know, as a friend of mine would, um, uh, my mentor used to refer to another friend and he said, he's a master, a jack all trades, master of most instead of a master of none. And that's how I feel about Brandon. It's like, he's really operating at the highest level on a lot of different fronts. And I can see how they're all synergistic, but Brandon, what, what is, what was the impetus for to get you involved in film? Was it because that's a part of telling the story of, of culture? What up? studied and spent my time trying to become a lot better at and every day getting better and better. It is about structuring a limited business model. So I've done a lot of different things, but the one thing that I'm becoming effective at and really, really, really much better at, it is deal composition, assembling capital, the right strategic partners to go execute. I'm not a manager. I'm not that. I'm not that at all. I'm more like a task force member. I don't need to lead all the things. I don't need to talk all the time. I don't need to be in all the meetings. I need to like understand my assignment and play my role. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm really good at that. And I think that's why I get brought on different teams for different projects that might seem a bit scattered, but they're not at all because I'm brought in for a particular reason. All right, Brandon, we're launching this thing. We need to understand what it is, what it looks like, how to structure it, who to bring in, how to design alignment, how to put a deal together, how to assemble the capital. I need to put the business ball in place. That's what I get brought into. So whether it's filled, whether it's launching a car company, whether it's building a surf pool, whether it's launching a surf technology company, whether it's running a private equity fund like I did in Australia, I'm not. I'm so focused, and I just get hired for my for my for my for, for my for my scope, you know. And other everybody who doesn't know me wouldn't know that because they see me tied to or associated with a lot of different things. But when you have the conversation, yeah, Brandon just plays a role. Period. He's super focused. He's obnoxiously organized, right? And I just stick to the script and I just play my role. My job is to get the deal done. Period. That's it. Be prepared for due diligence or conduct the due diligence, create alignment, assemble the capital and the resources, get the deal done. Step back, sit on the board, play the chairman role. I'm not the CEO. I'm not your project manager. I'm not your day-to-day -day staff member. Like, I'm not that because I know I'm not that. I'm not trying to become that. I don't want to get better at being one of those things that I don't want to be but call me in to do my job and I'll play my role and I'll step back.
contribute where I can without the ego, because my ego side of my nonprofit. So I want this to work so I can put my both even in that thing and then make anonymous donations. I'm super clear about my own teams. Yeah, it's been it's been just a joy having you be a part of it. Um, Justin, I've had Jackson's work together a lot. You've learned a lot, Jess, about leadership. What other questions do you have for Brandon? Um, you know, you've talked a lot about um, the idea of, you know, how action sports are maybe culture first instead of scoring first, right? And uh, just thinking about people who are working with brands and, um, you know, certainly we saw it in snowboarding where like at the height of the X Games, you know, you saw the biggest shoe companies in the world all of a sudden have a snowboard boot. And then as soon as the industry drops a little, all of a sudden they, they, drop, our, they drop our sport, you know? And, uh, you know, the, you know s- some of us know people who got recruited over to those teams and find out that like our, you know, our sports are a, a distant afterthought. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't who they were. You know, it was, you know, arguably a money grab, not a, not a, like a deep connection to the community, to the people. And, and obviously when they, you know, turn tail at the slightest drop in revenue, right? Um, when you think about building brands, your surf technology, wave pools, anything like this, or you're just advising other people who, you know, look, the, the outdoor industry is, arguably somewhere in the seven to eight hundred billion dollars a year mark for the US. And um and there's there are profits to be made and profits that can be used for good. And yet it can be done wrong so easily. I guess my question is um when you think about how to work with the right brands, when you think about how to create the right brands, what what kind of guiding principles do you have? Default business school response, but I mean step one's like what's the objective? You know, some people do is show up for equipment and dip out. I'm not interested in that. It was not, I'm not, that's not me. Like, I understand, but I'm not interested. Somebody else might be, but that's not me. I really believe in developing infrastructure and like legacy work. I want the work that I do, whether my name's visibly attached to it or not at all. I don't have a fingerprint on it, but where I'm spending my time, my energy and my resource and my network, it's all about authentic legacy work, period. That's it. So I'm quick to ask like, like, what's the objective? I might ask in a couple different ways, you know what I mean? But I really want to understand, like, why are we doing this? Like, fuck's this person and why is she here and what are we doing and what's the goal? And I really want to know that. And you know I mean, I could wear a different character, play a different mask and ask it in 28 different formats. But I'm really, first and foremost, trying to understand, like, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Right. And then that gives me the perspective to figure out. probability of success, the scope of success. I was raised to win. So all I know is winning. And that's me being an athlete coming up through that conditioning. I'm here to win. I'm not here to just like show up and leave and just, you know, cherry pick. I really want to build an infrastructure and build legacy and work with the right people who are here to affect change, not at the ego level, but because it's the right thing to do. It's the lucrative thing to do. It's the profitable thing to do. It's the, let's just the legacy work. Let's go stick around, you know? So I'm quick to answer your question directly. I really want to know why people are doing what they're doing. And it very well could be just to make a quick buck. Okay. And so I got to look at that and figure out how that adds influence to the rest of the culture. There's some guys who are doing some stuff and they got the resources to do it, but they're in it just for the quick grab. However, the fact that they did it executed, that's a case study for me that I can use somewhere else. 
So I don't judge, I observe, and then I have the privilege of making the choices on how I spend my time and invest my resources, you know? Um, but I always want to understand why and what the end goal is, what the objective is. And there's always a win in it. There's always something to learn from it. There's always wisdom to squeeze out of it, you know? Um, but I'm really quick to try to figure out what these people are doing it for. And I don't judge them. I don't judge it. I'm just like, okay, I got it. I understand now. So I'm really grateful, uh, really grateful for your leadership and partnership. And are what, what are you most excited for of all the things you're doing? You're wearing so many hats. You're working on so much. What are you most excited for right now that's on deck in your life? I like to see where they're going, what they're becoming. Right? I learn a lot from that. But um, I'm most excited about the next generation. I think there's a paradigm shift. I think there's a lot of things that have happened that have shift culture, you know? So I'm really excited to see what this next generation does what they accomplish, what they struggle with, um, where they're going, what they change, what they challenge. Um, I'm excited about the latitude ahead of me. There's a lot to dig into. I'm excited about that. I'm like, I told you, I'm like truly deeply inspired by the opportunity. I think the action sports industry is undervalued. And because it's undervalued, I think it's underpriced. So from a capitalistic perspective, the buy-in is low and the upside's tremendous. <laughs> I think it's a privilege to be so deeply ingrained in the industry and know the people that I know in the industry who are genuine, authentic characters who add value to the industry and who are going to be leveraged by non-endemic to take advantage of this industry. So if our core and authentic characters pay attention and understand what's going on, we have our position to put ourselves in some unique positions because we're going to get leveraged. And leverage responsibly creates fascinating returns, talking from a capitalist, you know, capital markets perspective. This surf technology and what it's doing to real estate and the influence of real estate on a community and your personal balance sheet is interesting. <laughs> to be able to control what's happening at real estate level with lifestyle, sports, and culture and the programming on top of it. I think we're in a whole new paradigm. <laughs> I mean, you got things like chat GPT and all this other new tech that's out on the market these days. We could be more effective faster and make fewer mistakes and make connections at lightning speed and validate assumptions and hypotheses with the influence of our culture. Like, action sports culture surf culture skates culture snow culture it's pop culture globally it's fascinating and you put the right equations together it's kind of spooky so i'm really excited about the influence the culture that raised me is about to have on the rest of the planet going forward and i'm proud to have you know they're not tattoos, they're scars. You know what I mean? Like, we've been through it. We've been in it. This is shit's real. So I'm grateful that I didn't just blow in and try to, like, take advantage. There's guys like us who've really been in it. And it's not the entitlement that we're grandfathered to go forward. But, you know, we kind of understand the lay of the land. And then that layered with new relationships, new partnerships, and capital market strategies, and real estate, and programming, and culture, and the Olympics, and sport, and just, like, content and social media and technology and everything's about to change 
and it's exciting. And I truly believe that action sports, particularly surf, skate, snow, are going to be as, um, as what's the right word, sophisticated as some of these traditional sports. I totally believe that this culture is about to get sophisticated at the capital markets level. It's going to have different levels of governance. It's not going to lose its authenticity because it's part of the DNA already, but the ability to affect change and grow wealth, I think it's about to happen. I think it's happening. I think it's here now. And I think that's what makes me super excited about being in the position I'm in. Maybe one last thing, Brandon, for people who want to connect with you, they want to find out more about the foundation, about USA Skateboarding, stuff like this. What, what kind of places should they be headed? USASurfing.org. USA Skateboarding is USASkateboarding.com. And I completely encourage people to reach out to me direct. My email address is Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, A for Apple, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, Brandon A. Lowry at gmail.com. If there's anything I can do to help as it relates to supporting the Global Action Sports Foundation, USA Skateboarding, USA Surfing, and Action Sports in general, contact me directly, please. Do you need help with the next steps for your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, estate attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call to schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at www.capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube.